Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brandner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA report. Well, I got to tell you guys are in for a treat because you got the, not the three amigos, but you got the three sergeants here. And uh, when you've got three police sergeants together, we're going to have a lot of fun. So Jason Harney and John Gentile, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Betsy. Thank you. Thank you. It's been our pleasure. So these two gentlemen, I wanted you to meet. Now, I've had Jason on the show before, and he's a documentary filmmaker. And uh, the three of us worked together on a project. I was a tiny part of it. Um, but Jason and John put together a fantastic film called Wrist Lock. And it is so, it's so well done. And it's so timely because... Uh, the issue of police training and police use of force is such a big part of the discussion these days in the media, um, in law enforcement circles, by politicians, by activists. So I wanted you all to hear from these two gentlemen about the film Wrist Lock and what it's all about. Jason, let's start with you. Where'd you come up with this concept? Well, you know, I, I was a, a longtime defensive tactics instructor, about 20 years uh, on my agency, the Las Vegas Metro Police Department, just, just like John. And, and uh, one thing that a lot of people may not know is that every single defensive tactic that we teach in law enforcement is derived from the martial arts. That is where these techniques come from. So the idea came into our minds that, you know, we know that police officers in general do not train in defensive tactics enough, and it may contribute to some of the uh, poor performance that we see on the street in use of force encounters. But to take it another step, we also believe that, you know, you look at a typical martial artist, why are they really good at what they do? Well, they practice, they are disciplined, they're conditioned, and they have a mindset, the exact kind of mindset that we want to instill in our police officers. We want our police officers to practice the tactics that are taught, which again, are derived from martial arts so that they will perform better in these use of force encounters. And that's really what inspired the film to be made. So John, I think that most citizens will be surprised to learn that your average American law enforcement officer doesn't spend hours a week practicing defensive tactics. Talk about the realities of that. The realities are really frustrating. And they were they were even back in the 90s when, I'm sure we would all have this talk in the 90s as well. We've had it forever. We just brought it to light. And it's it stems from the officers themselves and works its way up because officers have priorities in life. They aren't really interested in training in hand-to-hand -hand and then having to go out and do a shift or getting something piecemeal. The other thing is, is staff doesn't really allot a lot of time for training. What's priority? Priority is the streets. Getting our officers out, we got calls holding, which we have understaffing as it is in law enforcement even today. So you're, you're always bound by those rules uh, and those things that are in play. Um, and you have to have buy-in. I think I mentioned it in the film, but I mean, you have to have buy-in from your squad. They have to believe in it. They have to want to train. You have to have a good sergeant, lieutenant, all the way up. They have to believe in it so that they can give enough time so that there is time to do regular training. Because we know that if you train regularly, 
you will be better and, and you're going to make better decisions. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of, and what's the first area that they cut when there's a budget? Training. So. So here we are in the era of defund the police. And, and I don't think people really understand that, that, that what goes first um, are community policing programs and training. And, you know, all three of us are trainers and that the majority of the of the professionals in this film um, are trainers. And yet police training is not the biggest priority right now in your average law enforcement organization. And when we talk about training, it's not necessarily defensive tactics that uh, that really is the priority it might be things uh like um proper pronouns or uh implicit bias training things like that and i know jason you and i have discussed this so why make a film about this issue what what did you because you are and i want people to know uh you're not just a retired trainer um you're a documentary filmmaker you you do some amazing work. Why make a film about it? Well, you know, when, when you are a, a previous trainer, retired police trainer, one of the things that, you know, obviously become really passionate about the topic. So that's really the general answer as to why you make a film like this. But also because I, I think that, you know, it's a mainstream issue that's not covered by the mainstream media. And, and typically that's, that's going to be the driving force between any film that I make we're trying to make a point that's being missed in the bigger picture. And, and what is that point? Training. When you talk about defensive tactics in particular, uh, I think that uh, people outside of law enforcement will be shocked when they find out that once a police officer finish the, finishes their police academy and gets whatever defensive tactics training they get in baton and handcuffing and self-defense, et cetera, uh, in many departments, and again, we're speaking about the whole profession, 18,000 plus agencies with 850,000 plus police officers in that entire profession, very few agencies require any recertification training. So you go five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, and you see an officer get involved in an incident who has never practiced these techniques since they were a young person in the police academy. That's a problem. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, John, you're not just a trainer, you're a martial artist. What is the martial arts influence on law enforcement um, use of force? And why is that important for citizens to understand that? Well, everything comes from somewhere. We don't just, you know, sit in a room and talk about it and go, this might work. You need people who train. You need to have some kind of research. Uh, what's going to work? for our officers and what's going to work for the average officer as well male female smaller bigger we all have different sizes and shapes but bottom line is it still really comes back to the same thing you're getting you draw from the martial arts because in a fight when it's bad the fight can go anywhere it does go anywhere and or you slip and fall or something happens that it was unpredictable they're not predictable all the time you have to be able to respond. And these days, there's a lot of restraint on officers anyway. So they're going to always be in that more of a defensive type position, but they have to be ready for wherever it goes. The fight may go to a clinch, might be a strike, 
could be a control maneuver that maybe doesn't go right. All these techniques do come from martial arts. But the important thing is there is useful things in the martial arts that agencies need to look at. And, you know, if a suspect punches you, you can punch them back. If you, you know, this is how it works. You have to be able to respond with what the attack is. And, and that's just the nature of the beast. So all ranges of martial arts and fighting and styles or whatever you want to call it, I'd have to say that police need a hybrid. They need a hybrid model where they're doing everything. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, but they need to do that little bit regularly. And let's just be honest, it, using force, uh, a police officer using force against a citizen never looks pretty. It just doesn't. But John, just like you just said, um, somebody hits us. We, we not only do we get to hit back, we have to hit back. One of the things that people need to remember is that when a law enforcement officer is physically attacked, there is a firearm involved, maybe even multiple firearms. So, so for example, I'm a police officer. I'm trying to arrest somebody. They're punching me in the head. Not only do I have to stay conscious and I get control of that subject, I have to keep control of my firearm and my yeah. other tools because uh, this could very quickly turn deadly for me. And I, I don't think that that's something that I know the media doesn't particularly understand it. And I'm not sure your average citizen understands it. And that's what the movie Wrist Lock really shows that, you know, law enforcement use of force doesn't always look pretty. But it's necessary and it's necessary for us to train. And, and that's the thing. This is such a beautifully made film. And the National Police Association has an exclusive clip that we want to show you right now. I want you to, whenever you want, you're going to reach behind and just grab and just grab my neck. So I'm, I'm talking to the guy. Hey, back off, back off, man. Take it easy. Look, you've already got. Now, don't move. Don't move. Stay there. So check this out. He's already here. My gun isn't out here. But now check this out. Make a fist. Okay. And now keep it there. I'm going to move my head. Make a okay. fist. Okay. Watch what I'm showing everyone here. His hand was way behind my head. Had that been a short hook punch, I'd have already been dropped. And you know as a martial artist that if I go and I hit the guy and there's a flash knockout, and so this is kind of like an isolation demo that if I can go here and get my hand on the guy's head here before he can move, that's simulating, if I can scoop your head, I can hit your chin. Mr. Jones and I are up on the sidewalk and I ask him to turn around and put his hands behind his, his back and let him know I'm in a handcuff him and he decides to punch me in the head. Then he's decided that we're going to get more physical. Or if Mr. Jones decides to pull out a knife and come running at me, now he's again decided that now we're in a deadly force situation. Police officers are always in uh, that reactive state and we are reacting to the citizen that we're trying to deal with. So Jason, that is uh, such a terrific uh, clip from this film. And I'm so uh, honored uh, to be a part of it. And it was great to have this conversation um, throughout the movie that, that the three of us did 
Um, and, and you brought in some, some people that I really admire, some friends of mine, like Tony Blower. And, uh, and you guys were able to reach out and bring in some of the most talented people in the industry. Jason, how did you make that happen? Well, that was a team effort between John and I. I mean, it's really, you know, a lifetime and a career's worth of contacts. And, and we were very fortunate, as, as you said, to uh, have known and, and had people commit and give us their time uh, to this project, including, of course, yourself. We were honored to have you, a very uh, world-renowned police trainer, to be a part of, of this film, because really that is... Uh, you know, where the passion comes from and, and police training. And we wanted somebody like yourself to be a recurring expert uh, to talk about these very important issues. But yeah, we were able to get Tony Blauer, who, who is a legend having created the Spear system, uh, Eric Paulson, who is a legendary mixed martial arts coach, UFC Hall of Famer Forrest Griffin, who a lot, a lot of people are unaware, uh, was a police officer for four years before he became the famous fighter that we all know. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Scheinberg, who is a board-certified uh, cardiologist who specializes in the treatment of first responders, brings forth some harrowing statistics and, and messaging toward our police officers and their health. Uh, and then a host of, of many other really great people that gave us their time. So yes, we're very fortunate. John, one of the things that, that we talked about um, in the film was fitness and um, there are some sad statistics and sad examples of American law enforcement officers who are not in very good shape. And that absolutely affects their ability to uh, control subjects that need to be controlled. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah. Um, Jason and I have been talking about this for years. If you have no lung capacity and you can't run, or your cardio's out, or you don't lift weights, or you just don't have like some sort of strength or even average strength, you know, you can't apply any of this stuff. Or if you apply it, you're good for about five seconds. How many times there's like a foot pursuit or something turns bad? It's instantaneous. You can't figure that out. And you're wondering, you know, between the adrenaline running, the stress, it's all comes down to really raw techniques of what you're going to do. But if you can't perform, and there's no air in the tank and there's no, you know, there's no gas in there. You can't apply these moves. You're at a disadvantage right away because you can know everything. But if you have none of that stuff, you're in worse shape, let alone your own health and your lifestyle. And you can't sleep at night and you're working rotating shifts and you got marital problems and you got all the things every other, everybody else has. You can end up really in the jackpot. And, and I think you're right. And I, I think one of the things, John, the film does is uh, it does help humanize the profession, don't you think? Definitely. There's a lot of good uh, sayings in the film, which Jason uh, highlights as a narrator, which which I think are right on spot. So, you know, um, we do. We keep running through that cycle on the film. And what's interesting is no matter what someone's background is or how they've trained or what they've done in their career, it doesn't, there's no real competitiveness about it. What it is, is there's a lot of agreement. If you listen to different cops throughout the country, you'll find out that, hey, they're talking about the same thing we're talking about. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. Jason, you've done some, you've shown this film to some various focus groups and 
and organizations. And I'll tell you, this is a film that I imagine um, being uh, shown to uh, everyone from Citizen Police Academy groups to college classes. Um, and just for your average citizen to sit in their living room when they're doing their streaming and saying, hey, wrist lock, I heard about this. I think that this is something that would be not just informative, but entertaining. Jason, talk about what you envision for the film. Well, you know, ultimately the narrative was constructed to bring forth this idea that in order for a use of force encounter to be successful for a police officer, there are three main factors, defensive tactics, proficiency, physical fitness, which we were just talking about, and mental health. If one of those three factors is missing, then there's a very strong possibility that the police officer is likely going to be unsuccessful in that encounter for one of those three reasons. We wanna communicate that to the mainstream audience. We, are, we know that police officers understand that. They might be in a bit of denial as far as their proficiency level in defensive tactics or what type of shape they're in physically or their mental health, which we all know there's still a stigma and even talking about that within law enforcement. It's getting better, but I, I think it's still out there. Uh, but your average community member, the people who expect great service from their police department, they're the ones we're targeting. They are the people that we would really love to show this film. And, and hopefully it'll open a few eyes as to what the realities are that law enforcement agencies are facing when it comes to training their officers to perform at a high level in these use of force encounters. John, what are you hoping that... Um people get out of this film besides uh, being entertained because it is really a inter very entertaining film. People are really interested in martial arts these days. They're very uh, interested in different fighting styles. What else are you hoping to accomplish? I think if we could send a message, there's a lot of different messages. The film kind of took a life of its own as we did it. You know, and it kind of went in a couple different directions, which I think happens with documentaries. Jason's educated me, but the film itself, to me, being a lifelong martial artist, which I think uh, is a good thing for police, you have to have great activities. You don't have to do what I do, but you know you have to be active in your career. You should be active at the gym or active doing something. It's it should be a motivator. I mean, the film should motivate you if you're entering in the field or you're somebody who just doesn't know enough. We had somebody in the audience at the uh, at the premiere who really didn't like cops or had this like different mentality. And it was funny when they exited. I had a little conversation with him and I was like, well, how do you know? What did you think about it? Said, you know what? Changed my mind. It really gave me a different respect on law enforcement. So I, I would say to the outside public, that would be great for them to understand a little bit more what we do, why we do it and why we should be doing the things that we do, because ultimately the martial arts concept is brings confidence, brings the things that we need in law enforcement, discipline. You weren't in the military, martial arts is going to probably be your second best thing. Discipline, confidence, tactics. Okay, there's always that argument. You can't use that because that's not in policy. Understandable, but it will bring your confidence level up. You'll be able to perform those dumbed down techniques a lot easier with a little bit of training as long as you're open to it. And I think the motivation factor is, is a big thing. So whether you've been on a long time, maybe you can't do everything a younger, more fit officer can, but it might motivate you to say, you know what? 
my heart's not so hot right now, or my diabetes are up or something, you still, even on the outside and you retire, you still have to be in shape. You still have to keep your life going. You got to be motivated and understand things could happen where they go wrong. So it's an extra benefit is to be able to protect yourself, your family, your squad members, and the community at large if you're a cop. That's fantastic. John, where can people uh, find you, follow you, find more about you? John Gentile, Sensible Training Solutions or trainingsts.org or Sensible Training Solutions at yahoo.com. All right. And Jason, where can people find your films? Where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Um, and where can they find Wrist Lock so that they can watch it? Well, let me start out by saying that Wrist Lock will be out September 20th, uh, that we're about a, a week out from that now. Uh, it will be out on Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, Microsoft Store, and dozens of other platforms worldwide and many others to come. Uh, you can find me and all of my films, including Wrist Lock uh, and the official site at lightningdigitalentertainment.com. I'm on Twitter. Handle is at JasonHarney72, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Gentlemen, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with me today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.